Unmakers. I'm Tim Burrows from Unmade. Welcome to The Unmakers, a series in which I talk to people who are trying to remake the media and marketing world. Each episode, I talk to people who are doing business differently. We're going to meet the startups, the troublemakers and the dreamers who've looked at the communications industry and are trying to find a better way. If you're an unmaker with a story to tell about how you're changing the media and marketing world, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at tim at unmade.media. Before you remake it, you've got to unmake it. In today's episode of The Unmakers, I talked to Jamie Harding, founder and CEO of Theatrix. Now based in South Australia, Jamie has worked in the arts for a good couple of decades as director and producer with a growing focus on the digital arts. Theatrix is a new streaming platform focused on live performance. The platform was already launched and is currently looking for investment. Jamie, thank you very much for joining me. Um, let's maybe start. Where did the idea for Theatrix come from? The idea for Theatrix came uh, from working for, for decades in the arts industry uh, as a producer and, and director. Um, and it came from uh, a multitude of um, things, actually. Uh, the journey actually starts uh, back um, when I premiered uh, one of my latest uh, theatre works called In the Pines, uh, which was one of the world's, it was the world's first theatre and virtual reality show of its kind. So it was part theatre, part VR. So the whole audience sat in, in the round and um, experienced the first half very much like they would a traditional theatre experience. And in the second half, the whole audience donned VR headwear and they stepped further inside the experience. Um, and so in that, I kind of saw firsthand this blend of live performance and digital and seeing just how much the show was um, and the digital was really hitting the bones of the audience. So that was when I kind of started to realise that there was something in, in that space where I went, I, was, I, I started for the first time really to truly realise that I was really innovating in the arts. Like the word innovate in the arts gets thrown around so much but there's very few that are really daring to step outside the traditional norms of theatre making or arts making and to step into new realms. So that was that was the first little little um, uh, uh, thought bubble, I guess. Uh, the second was um, having worked for so long in the arts, there's been a major problem in the arts, which is, of course, the arts is always so uh, reliant on government funding. And government funding has slowly been uh, stripped away over the years, um, which has really made it hard, in particular in the independent sector. And so there was that that issue there as well of, of that realising that the arts needed to start to look at other new models of revenue and other new ways of starting to sustain and look after itself. Also at the same time, I was working in the within the Pines, was actually being created in uh, regional South Australia, and, of course, a lot of the major big shows, you know, are always in the metropolitan areas and never in the regions. Uh, so that was another problem. Um, so all these kind of things started to, to formulate at the same time. And also while I was making In the Pines, there was a show of Julie Taymor's, uh, who she's one of the first uh, female directors to win a Tony Award uh, for, for directing uh, for The Lion King, the musical. 
And there was a show of hers that was happening at the same time over in New York uh, of a Midsummer Night's Dream, which we now have on our platform, in which had n- it had no intention of travelling beyond its small run in New York. And I thought, oh, how crazy is this that in today's modern world, I can't get out and see the shows that I truly love and I want to see either because of cost, distance or time. So I thought, I reckon there's there's a solution here. And so from all of that, I then took all of those musings and all of those thoughts into a, an incubator. And from that incubator, that's when I stumbled on theatrics. And the incubator you're talking about, that was Venture Dorm? Yeah, the new Venture Institute, Venture Dorm, um, in which uh, it's a great program where yeah, you get to go in and, and you can take your business idea and, and really push out your business plan and and push and test elements of the business to see whether, you know, A, you've got anything. Um, and also as part of that, um, you actually go into a round-robin kind of massive pitching competition. And so I took theatrics in there and then at the end of it, um, I ended up winning my demo day um, and then I ended up winning the national award, the the Gold Envy and tipping out 90 other startups, um, which was incredibly exciting. So, you know, it kind of really got me a chance to put theatrics to its paces and to really ground and solidify it um, as, as a business concept. And the uh, the sort of likely, and I guess already existing, audience and target audience, um, would it be people who already are subscribers to video platforms, do you think, or, 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 or would it be more live performance aficionados? More uh, live performance aficionados, as well as people that um, I believe, you know, the, the thing is, yeah, in the current streaming market, you know, it's it's saturated with film and TV options. But when it comes to live performance, um, if, if you think about what I'll do is I'll frame it again uh, for you as well, that this idea of arts going digital is, is really new. Like we're talking incredibly new. Um, it started really um, about 11 years ago. The Met Opera, um, they're obviously a prestigious opera company in New York, uh, they trialed and started to test the idea of broadcasting their operas into cinemas uh, to see whether there would be a digital audience or whether there would be a cinema audience that would be willing to, that can't make it to New York, that would be willing to go to their local cinema um, and to watch watch opera. Well, um, pre-COVID, they started, uh, well, pre-COVID, they were making in excess of 400 million US. Uh, from ticket sales alone. And also not long after the Met Opera, the National Theatre also posed the same sort of question, like, you know, if all of a sudden opera can get an audience, can theatre get an audience? And they also started to hit similar sort of uh, numbers and figures. So if you look, we're only really talking about, you know, 10 or 11 years, that this idea of capturing live performance in in a unique way, which the way I'm putting it is it's almost like, it's not, nothing ever takes away from obviously the live performance, you know, live performance is great. And that experience is always going to be here and it will be here to the end of time. Um, But this new hybrid form, which is this idea of capturing live performance and it's not live performance and it's not film, 
but it's kind of sits in that nexus, like right in that sweet spot between and almost becomes its own media genre. So this is a, you know, a very exciting and emerging space, which I, I started to look by looking at all the trends and, and all of that, realizing that no, the, there is an audience for this content. Um, and they're actually, they're screaming uh, for this sort of content. Um, so I think you'll find it'll be a mix. It'll be, you know, arts and music lovers, as well as, you know, other people that are on current streaming platforms that are always strolling, uh, scrolling through looking for something else. And is it um, an expensive production process? Because I presume in order to capture this, it must be a multi-camera setup, for instance. Um, uh, how, how does that side of things work? Yeah, so um, to, to begin with, we obviously um, are partnering with a range of content partners uh, around the globe. Um, where there's already like there's a lot of a really amazing content out there that's just looking uh, for a home, which obviously theatrics will will become its home. Um, but yeah, when when you start to further down the line, actually start to capture your own original content, obviously the emphasis has to be on quality because uh, as soon as you know you go out into that online space, like you are instantly kind of compared to to Netflix or to you know cinema quality style productions. So the emphasis has to be on quality. And um, when audiences start to see, like, for example, uh, the production of Julie Taymor's A Midsummer Night's Dream, um, she's not only a Tony Award winner, she's also um, uh, an Academy uh, nominee director. And she, you know, actually worked to capture that production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And she's, she's done it in a way which is truly magical, that when audiences actually see it, they instantly get it. They understand, you know, the quality's there, the immersion is there, and it becomes this whole new whole new space. Um, but, yeah, it, it ranges, obviously, depending on, um, in terms of costs, you can do it very effectively, but then also depending on the artists and, and the people that uh, you're capturing, uh, it can also be an expensive exercise. So it just ranges in cost. And sometimes you'll be obtaining rights that already exist. And will you also sometimes be effectively the producers of new content? Yes, yes, definitely. Further down the line. So that's once we really get up and, and running, that's, that's the plan is to obviously... You know, the reason I started theatrics was also to find a whole new way for artists to monetize, going back to that whole new model of like the arts needing a new model to try and find new ways to um, to monetize. So the plan is obviously, yeah, further down the line is to be investing back in the local arts scene and to be capturing new works and also investing in, in artists themselves in order to create that original content and that quality original content that we'll be after. And, uh, you know, arguably you've done, if not the hard bit, then the first hard bit, which is launching, um, which obviously involves building the technology, accessing some rights deals. Um, what has actually been hardest so far? Um, a really good, well, COVID, <laughs> like let's, let's be honest. COVID-19. So also, I guess part of my story and something worth sharing is, um, uh, you know, all of this musings around theatrics and, and getting it all going, all was happening pre-COVID. And 
pre-COVID, people thought I was a bit, I was a nutter. You know, they thought I was a bit crazy. Um, you know, why would people want to watch live performance in their home? And anyway, after I won the Venture Dorm program, um, at the same time, I also applied for um, a program which you may or may not be aware of. It's called the Austrade Landing Pads, which is an initiative for market-ready startups to um, the Australian government pushes these market-ready startups to some of the biggest tech hubs in the world to try to connect them um, to, to help build their resources. And so I travelled literally pre-COVID for six months to some of the biggest tech hubs like Tel Aviv, uh, London, Berlin and New York. And it was during that time because part of, part of that process was as well that I thought, well, I can start to build out the technology, but I'm kidding myself if I don't have or can't have the bigger partners on board with content that people actually want to watch. So part of that trip was convincing myself and also getting those major content partners on board. And so when they all started jumping, that's when I realised I was onto something very, very special. Um, but at the same time, um, as I was really hitting my stride in, in New York in particular, um, COVID hit um, and it was it was very bizarre, like Times Square, you know, the epicentre of the world, uh, shut down and was boarded up and it was incredibly scary. Um, so at that point, that was, that was a challenge because all of a sudden, just as you're really starting to gather all this uh, momentum with partners, um, all of a sudden for the arts world in particular, it was an incredibly scary time. You know, we were plunged into darkness pretty much for two years. Um, and the arts are still really reeling, still trying to get back on their feet um, post-COVID. Um, so COVID, as you could imagine, I know it's been a real struggle for lots of other businesses, and, and I know that across the board it's been a tough time for everyone. But in particular, obviously building a startup through that time um, and an art startup, um, tech startup through that time, um, has also presented its fair share of challenges. In terms of since you've launched um what's been your most popular content with your audience so far yeah um a lot of uh, grabbing that the the, the uh, julie Taymor mid some nights but that's that's a very popular one um a lot of the dance um uh content also as well is starting to prove um uh, pop- popular as well um and obviously from here it's like really as we really start to gear up and really start to um grow it's ultimately about listening to our audience as well and starting to really discover, um, you know, our audience's tastes and starting to, you know, um, continue to create, curate content for those tastes as well. So that's obviously, you know, using that kind of build, measure, learn loop, you know, where we're constantly listening uh, to feedback taking that in and all of a sudden if you have enough people screaming for a certain piece of content then obviously you know we, we go about um, looking for that and bringing that onto the platform. And on the technology side of things are, are we far enough advanced now with streaming that you can buy some of this stuff off the shelf or have you actually had to build the technology yourself? Yeah um, we've, we've had to build the technology ourselves. Um, and that was a very conscious decision uh, because uh, we're talking 
really ultimately what we're trying to do is is to create a portal whereby you know we're mimicking the behavior that people experience when they actually go to see live performance and everything that that entails um so that's where you know something just off the shelf or anything like that wasn't really ever going to work for us because obviously you know our audiences have already kind of inbuilt behaviors of how they're used to watching this sort of content in person that you know we want to uh, get as close to and replicate as much of that as we can um so things like for example you know the program you know that's such a big part of going to see a live performance is you know so many people love buying or purchasing the program sitting down reading all about the actors the directors the and and to have that experience before they watch something so as part of our tech and and that sort of thing we've actually inbuilt that so you almost have like an interactive um play program where you can still do all those things that you love and those behaviors that you love um but just in a in a in a new way um if that makes sense yeah you've got like a sort of digital playbill yeah absolutely where you know you can and you can click on rather than just watch look at the playbill it's like you can actually click on an actor's photo and then you discover more about their bio and um start to see as well other content that we've got on the platform that they're linked to and all that sort of stuff which is really exciting so yeah trying to replicate those behaviors so that you know um for those arts and and music lovers that even though they're coming on and enjoying it um in a different way at home um that some of those those beautiful little niche things that are so particular to live performance are still incorporated in some way shape or form now when i think about most of the streaming services they'll tend to do a big studio deal where they just give us a large usually sum of money to the studio and then they can do whatever they want with the you know with the content regardless of how many people watch it i presume your model would be a bit different i'm i'm guessing it's more a question of you sort of clipping the ticket is that is that how it works you'll sort of you'll pay the you'll you'll, you'll pay the creators of the content based on how much that content is seen yeah, it that's where it gets very complicated. So that's one of the most complicated processes. Um, is it depends, and that all comes down to law contracts. So every kind of stu- studio, or every theatre partner, or anyone that you kind of connect with, it's all about negotiation. So some prefer, you know, that that content is actually paid up front. Um, Others prefer um, that they get a stronger royalty because they know that they have a loyal audience base, that if they start to hit their own socials, that they'll be able to help drive traffic. So, you know, all of those sort of things are things that um, are negotiated. Um, And that's where that's probably one of the most trickiest parts of the whole process is negotiating and um and and having those strong legals in place where everyone's happy you know with the negotiations and with what's with what's on the table um but also as i was saying it's like the other interesting thing is if you think about what i was saying a bit earlier as well the fact that you know hollywood has been around for 100 years it's had 100 years to establish itself and create very clear business models um and the arts like i said this idea of going digital is so new and so emerging that part of it is as well as us as a company is you know being really open to that and you know we want to be there and help 
coax artists, you know, in onto our platform and to help them as well establish themselves in this kind of new digital realm um, and to, to help each other, you know, collaborate. That's what arts and music and everything has always been about. Well, at present, you're uh, charging subscribers $8 a month. Um, how many paying subscribers have you got so far? We've got a, a few hundred at this point. Um, it's it's very early days at this stage. So um, we've only really just started to, to ramp up. And, and we're also, you know, in the middle of an equity crowdfund um, in order to really kind of push us out and push us forward, um, which is happening through Swarmer. Uh, a company called Swarmer, um, which is a new equity crowd-based funding platform, um, and so for us, it's 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 very very early days at this point. So um, yeah, but it, it, having said that, it's been. Boy, oh boy, has it been a big journey up to this point. <laughs> yes. Now, I was looking at, at Swarmer, and I I think people will find it fairly easy to find you if they want to just by Googling Swarmer and theatrics to find the investment round. Um, how much are you hoping to raise through this sort of mechanism, and, and, and how will you spend that money? Yeah, uh, really good question. So um, we're looking, um, you know, anywhere between – you know, fifty to to four hundred thousand um, dollars. How we'll spend the money is ultimately it's it's about more content at this point, um, and also really about um, starting to promote and 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 market the platform, um, which are our two costs at this point to really start to get us to the point of of really solidifying that customer traction, and also to scale as well. Um, and we also have, you know, some some major partners as well, some distribution partners as well um, that are also going to really help us to scale to that next level. So it's just that that final kind of push that we're needing um, in order to to really get across the finish line. Um, and it's it's a very exciting time, and it's been fantastic actually. Through Swarmer, what it's actually really done is it's it's really proven market validation. Uh, I mean, I've been um, absolutely um, just blown away by people's response to it. You know, people uh, all of a sudden saying things like, this is going to make a huge uh, difference in my grandparents' life, for example, who are now in nursing homes or have mobility issues and can't get to the theatre. And they're, you know, that's the, their one love is, is the arts and the theatre. Uh, through to, you know, people overseas who... Um, have always wanted to come to Australia and experience our cultural um, entertainment who are going, oh, we would love this. Um, as well as, you know, everyone, as I was saying, like through COVID, um, I think across the board the industry knows and even the Australia Council for the Arts know that, you know, new models are really needed in order for the arts to 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 really, you know, kick forward and... and um, so, you know, we've had, you know, industry validation, we've had customer validation, we've had, you know, all these different uses like for the platform where people are like, I, I didn't even imagine, like I said, that are saying this is going to make such a difference in people's lives. And of course, like I said, that was, I think for any founder, you know, when you, when you start something, there's obviously always a reason and a passion behind why you're doing it. And I always knew, like I said, it was I knew that there had to be another way. And um, and I'm really excited about where we're at. 
And for the purposes of the investment round, what have you valued the business at? Because I know you have to sort of effectively put a number on it. Yeah, I valued it around uh, $3.6 Yeah, that makes sense. And um, in terms of sort of your evolving business model, obviously at the moment uh, uh, there isn't an advertising tier. Is that something you would consider in the future? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one because, of course, Netflix just recently have changed their whole um, model to offer a, a cheaper um, alternative. Um, we've always offered that. It's always been part of the business plan to offer that value-based positioning at, you know, $8. It's like two cups of coffee to come and, and subscribe to theatrics um, because we see ourselves as a great addition to, you know, um, uh, another film streaming service or, you know, some people like their sports, so they have KO and a film service. So that's why we've always kept and wanted to keep the, the price down uh, for the product. Um it's an interesting one because, again, with the arts in particular, it's it's an interesting one to think about whether people, and that comes down to the customer, whether people are going to want to have their show interrupted because, of course, when you go see live performance, the only interruption happens at interval. So maybe, you know, at the interval there's a couple of ads and then and everyone keeps going. Um, but that would obviously come down to... Um, really listening to the customer on that one and gauging obviously as well how how customers are wanting to to view the content um yeah but but that's an interesting move um by netflix um in order to offer that um that you know the the ad revenue um in order to lower the model um but already like i said it's i think you know we come at a really nice value-based positioning anyway so um at this point um we're not looking at advertising but that again may be something further down the line that we we may explore yeah that was the interesting thing about netflix wasn't it they went so long saying never and then um yeah once their 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 growth grew they their their growth slowed rather they they sort of changed their mind a bit um i was the other thing i was thinking about the model of of theatrics is obviously as an idea you know it potentially could be you know, boundaryless. Um, how are you thinking about the international possibilities in terms of your your customers, your audience? Yeah, uh, again, really, really good question. Um, yeah, it's again that obviously comes down to to listening to our audience, and again, you know what what they what they want. Um, what I love about about theatrics. And, and what's really pushed me to create it is ultimately it'd be fantastic for theatrics to get to the point of being global and being a global cultural melting pot where audiences across the world can dis- discover more about each other's cultures because, of course, music and, and arts, they're the great educator uh, of letting us understand um, our similarities and our differences making us reflect, making us compassionate, all those beautiful, wonderful things that arts and music does. So for me, it's obviously it's about, you know, um, growing that content out to offer that diversity in, in the content. And that's always been, even from day one, that's been something that I've been incredibly conscious about. Um, and obviously as we grow as well, um, starting to, like I said, really listen um 
And obviously any new um, zone that we enter into or any new international space that we enter into, um, in order to, you know, really listening and doing that market validation and, and research and really listening to the customers about, you know, what they're wanting and, um, and, and then, you know, making that happen, uh, so to speak. But I just go, yeah, the idea of a cultural melting pot in a, in a streaming service where I can have all these different beautiful cultures um, and see them all just at a touch of a button, I think that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Jamie, that's a really good place to leave it. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Unmakers from Unmade. If you're an unmaker, I'd love to talk to you. Email me, tim at unmade.media. Today's episode of The Unmakers was edited by Abe's Audio. I'm Tim Burrows. Before you remake it, you've got to unmake it. The Unmakers. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.